Hello and welcome to the Lock In Podcast, the show that lifts the lid on the pub trade by those working in it. I'm the morning advertiser, Ed Bennington, and this week we'll be looking at the misery months of January and February, those cold, dark months of depression when the world's against us, and that seems a little light at the end of the tunnel. Although that's just standard existence for you, isn't it, Heath? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. So we're going to be looking at how operators can fight back against those forces and work to make the most of those dark times. To do that, we need two top guys, folks at the top of their field. People can deliver all the answers, show us direction of travel that would lead us to those sunny uplands of trade aplenty. Sadly, they weren't available, so we're stuck with Heath Ball and James oh, Cuthbertson. Jesus. Come on, I haven't it's used that joke for a while. Hmm. I'm allowed to recycle it once every fifth episode. <laughs> I mean, I try. It's, uh, anyway, thanks for joining us, guys. It's more depressing than January. It is more depressing than January. I mean, with James is dialing in because um, he, he's, he decided he didn't want to turn up for this one. So um, we've got him sort of in the background there. We let him talk. We mute him every now and again. It's quite fun. Um, <laughs> he's eating pizza. <laughs> As I said, we are going to be digging into some of the challenges of post-Christmas trade. We'll be discussing Dry January with the organisers and instigators of that initiative, Richard Piper of Alcohol Change. We'll be chatting to fantastic Laura Willoughby of Club Soda about the latest developments in low and no products. And we'll be hearing from top marketing whiz Mark McCulloch on how to drive footfall. And we'll also be chatting to January and... Sorry, what one? Go on, just stop listening. Like, just turn off now. I mean, he's, uh, he's fun, isn't he? I mean, I, I, we can mute him. I think we should mute him. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm finished reading out. Can I carry on? No. Yeah, go on. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll be chatting Veganuary and tasting some interesting meat-free offers with Fuller's food marketing manager, Ellie Cramner. I mean, you're going to be looking forward to that, aren't you, James? Uh, the tasting. Virtual Shoot tasting. Virtual tasting. <laughs> I was going to say, you picked the right one to basically skive out of. So, um, well, but sawdust. Indeed. So, uh, before we all, before we get into all that, you know, uh, how was your holiday, Heath? It was work, Edward. It was supplier your, took me to Mexico. Your ten days in Mexico. Eleven. Eleven. Um, s- supplier took me to Mexico <laughs> uh, for a detox. For, yeah, that's why you're a broken man now, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Never give that man tequila ever again in his life. And mezcal. Or mezcal, yes. yes. Is there a difference? There is. Oh, I could good. tell you about it, but you'd fall asleep. No, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. It's, uh, it's all weird shit. Um, so what's been going on since we were on there last time? Uh, oh, no, they, um, we've got a new Prime Minister, haven't we? Oh, we do have a new yeah, Prime Minister. Yeah, they did fucking well, didn't they? Yeah, 45 days. I think the yeah. last one she was clinging on by her fingernails when we recorded it. And, uh, oh, Matt Hancock's going on, I'm, I'm a, a twat, get me out of here. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting 400 grand and he's donating the uh, all the money, all apparently. Of is it all of it? I don't know, I doubt it. I don't it. know, he's dysle- it was for dyslexia, isn't he? About four, four, four quid of it, probably. Oh, yeah, no, he's a shady little prick. Um, so what do we think about our new Prime Minister, uh, James? Moving on very rapidly from that. We must be doing another one, mustn't we? I was going to say, by the time this comes out... <laughs> I can't even be... remember who the PM is now. They've <laughs> had two pints of Guinness, and I'm like, who's in charge of the country? <laughs> no one! It does feel like that, doesn't oh, it? It's just unbelievable. We, we, are, we are, like, we're so F-U-C-K-E-D... We've hospital- oh, spelling out a word like, we're you fucked. Right, okay. We're so fucked. Like, there's no help coming. If any operators are sitting out there waiting for uh, the the uh, budget on the 17th, you're dreaming. They don't care about us. They don't care about the country. They're self-serving pricks who just want to stay in power. 
you might as well compare them to Mussolini and Hitler. They're just there's no, there's no, they're not here for the people. They're here I mean, for themselves. Don't don't hold back, Keith. That's um, true though. We're we're getting no help. We'll sit there, Kate and everybody will bang on about it, and let's, you know, social order and all that. There is no help coming. I mean, it, it is pretty grim. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to fuel Heath's. Uh, I believe on the upside. Let's talk outlook. about January then. Uh, well, we are going to talk about January. Great, isn't it? Um, Confidence is falling. Only 8% of multi-site operators feel confident about the next 12 months. 35%. 8 or 80? 8%. 8. 8. So if we 100% of us in a room, 8 people are going, yeah, yeah, this is going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. What's the point? Like, we're not even, like, who's making profit right now? No one's investing. Everyone's holding their, you know, holding their purse strings. Everyone's scared of the future. Mm. And there's no reassurance coming out of Parliament. Like, no. we're, we're, it's a joke. 35% of hospitality firms at risk of going bust in the next eight weeks. Eight weeks. So that's... Eight that, weeks. Yeah, like, what are we looking at? Yeah. Like, there's no... Well, January, right? I mean, it's the old classic, we sell a pub, take all your cash to the end of December and then fold. Yeah, what was yeah. the point of giving us all this money? Like, okay, compared to Europe, we, got, we, got, we didn't get as much. What was the point of saving the industry? We should just let everybody burn. That's what they should have done. Because there's no point. We've hobbled all through it. We got through lockdowns and we come through this and then suddenly we're getting rinsed by inflation. Cost of everything's ridiculous. Got mm. profiteering from suppliers. And here we are going, what's the point? James, can you turn that hair dry down? It's in the background there. a lot of things going to be here, but it's not going to be one of those. <laughs> um, but yeah, what hope have we got? Like, where's, where's the light at the end of the tunnel? There isn't. We're looking at January, which is going to be bleak. Customers are freaking out about their mortgages, on, about on, the energy crisis. On the other hand, we're still seeing some expansion. Uh, guys at North opened up in Manchester, looking to open two new sites uh, next year. Youngs have been on a bit of a spending spree. They've yeah, but they probably the Griffin in Yeah, but the Youngs have got Iconic a lot of money. Pump. North, you know, the guys at North are great operators, but they probably had that in the pipeline for a while. And looking any, to open two next year as well. Yeah, but that's just like when they open it, then t- show me they've opened it. You know what I mean? I'm going to dye my hair next year. Like, until I've done it, prove it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's all... Everyone's trying to bring good news stories. You want to pump out good news stories so you can get investment. No one's investing. I'm trying to just counter your your apoplectic misery, really. But it's true, though, isn't it? It's true. We can sit here and bullshit ourselves how how wonderful life is. It's bullshit. We've got a government that don't care about the hospitality sector. No matter how much we say we need help, they don't care. Then you've got the public saying to us, Ed, then you've got the public saying to us, well, only the good survive. But even the good are fucking struggling. So what's Mm. the fucking point? So are you going to be in uh, Parliament Square on the uh, 14th of uh, November at 10.30 to uh, join the hospitality what, demonstration? What day of the week is that? Say Monday. Do you think anybody will be in Parliament? No, those pricks are in the holiday houses. Are you going to go? I'd, I'd say Put your money the, where your mouth is. You know, well, what, Stand on what? the barricades. Fucking hit a fucking pot and pan and go, we're fucked. We need more drastic action than that. We need to stop paying taxes. We well. need to properly put it on the government. If they're not going to listen to us, we need to properly put it on them. Enough's enough. If we all got together, and I've said this before, and nobody listens, but they all cry about losing their businesses. Enough is enough. Time to fucking take action. We're the third biggest private employer in the country. Can you imagine if we said, you know what, we're not going to pay our VAT this month. What are you going to do? What are you going to do about bailiffs to every pub in the country? But they don't mind us going out of business. Well, I probably they don't invest mind pubs in bailiffs to send them around. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. They don't mind us going out of business. But, you know what I mean? If we sat there and said, we're not doing this anymore. They still haven't addressed business rates. We've got yeah. business rates coming down there. They don't care. They, you know what I mean? Like, fuck them. Honestly, fuck this government. Um, more workers leaving the sector than during the pandemic. I mean, I'm just adding this on for... I mean, James has sat back. Uh, <laughs> It's true, though, isn't it? Like, why would you want to work in this industry? Well, I mean, I do have to quite... And I did say this to you the other day. Are you talking like this in front of your staff? Because you'll be... If oh, no, I, 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 I was, Listen, no, but I rant about the government. 
Right. I read about the government. Yeah. yeah, I get it. But my guys know I'll always look after them. They know that, and they just know I'm fucked off about it. Because it, when, when you're a profitable business, and then suddenly you're going, fucking hell, where's my profit gone? Oh, shit, yeah, 58 quid for vegetable oil. This is that, this is that. And then you get customers going, ah, oh, it's really expensive. Really expensive. Mm. You, like, where's the fun in being a hospitality? Yeah. Where's, where's the fun in hospitality anymore? When all you're doing is you're back in survival mode. Yeah. What's the fucking point? I don't care how much money you've got. Even the big boys, you see M Restaurants are looking at refinancing. They've got a lot of sites. They can Groucho, M Restaurants. They're in trouble. Mm. You've got a lot of people over leveraged who thought that we're going to come out of this golden age. We're going to come out of like after the war. We're going to come out of the, the, the pandemic and the lockdowns and everyone's going to be spending big. No, because we over-fucking-spent. Because Matt Hancock was giving money to a bloody company that's registered to a Chinese fucking hotel room. And he's giving money to the public and down the road. God, I'd love to have a pub near these guys. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then he's going on Celebrity Get Me Out of Here for 400 fucking k for dyslexia. Whilst not doing his job. Oh, fuck off, eh? They're well, all, yeah. like, well, I, I should try that with my boss, shouldn't I? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going off to do a reality TV show. It's, you'll keep well, paying me, though. Well, well, like, like, so. like Britain's Biggest Loser or something. Uh, well, that's very kind of you to say. <laughs> Uh, I have lost a bit of the weight, thank you. Oh, no, I meant the other way, like, uh, right. you, know, like, you know, socially. Okay. Um, uh, no turkeys for Christmas either. No, this, um, is all, this, is, this is another fucking ploy by these guys for profiteering. The smart guys put all their fucking turkeys inside. They haven't left them outside. You've got like companies like one of your sponsors, I won't mention, sending out, you've got to put your order in now, uh, for like yesterday, yes. for Christmas orders. Right. Um, I spoke to my suppliers, just and they're like, oh no, we've put them inside. Like, they're don't, inside. Just don't do turkey though. I mean... Turkey's face shit it, turkey is anyway. awful. It's, it's fucking awful. awful. This is not a bad thing. If there's no turkey at Christmas, we can all eat something a bit nicer. Like what? James, you're a turkey fan? Yeah. Gobble, gobble. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Yeah, it doesn't taste too much. Any people go, it really doesn't taste it's much. It's dry. It's fucking boring. It's boring, yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, but I think this is another ploy. They'll drive prices up. Everybody, oh my God, there'll be a big panic scare. Anybody be worried about this over here? And we'll all be looking over there. And, you know, all this story over these and this and that. It's just yeah. misdirection all the time with this government. Well, you know, well, I think on that litany of, uh, of misery, that's uh, that's not misery. talking it's about the, the January and February. It's the so. fucking reality of what's going on in this country. You know what I mean? We can blame so many things and we'll have the Brexiteers going, no, it's not Brexit. We'll have the other people going, it's lockdowns. And all this. The reality is we're fucked. I'm going to unplug his microphone, James, do you think? <laughs> Let's move on. Let's talk about January and February. Yay. You're listening to the Lock-In Podcast and we're focusing on the post-Christmas hangover that is January and February in this episode. One of the big challenges for operators is a focus on particular events in the January months, for January, for example, which we'll be talking about later, and of course the perennial challenge of dry January. I'm delighted to welcome the organiser of that initiative, Alcohol Changes CEO, Richard Piper, who joins us now. Richard, thanks for being with us. It's an absolute pleasure. So, I mean, just to start off, you, you were saying off air, just tell us, what is Alcohol Change? What do you do? So Alcohol Change UK exists 
to end alcohol harm. Uh, their alcohol harm uh, affects millions and millions of people in the UK. It, it holds our country back. It clogs up our NHS and our courts. It leads, leads to children being taken away from their families. It has ripple effects in communities and society. Uh, and it costs upwards of 20 billion, possibly closer to 30 billion as a society. All of the alcohol harm is avoidable without losing any fun, without 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 kind of a boring society, you know? And I think so we exist to we exist to reduce yeah, that avoidable harm to save lives. I kind of, you know, who wouldn't want to do that? While uh, not being kind of prohibitionist or ideological. We don't do ideology at all. Uh, we don't do religion at all. We're, we're a science-based organisation. Okay, fantastic. Um, I mean, so dry January has become something of a contentious issue for, for those in the pub trade. And maybe let's go back to the basics. What is it and, and why do you guys promote it? So uh, we don't just promote it, we invented it and we're very proud to have invented it. Uh, Dry January is for heavy drinkers who want to take control of their drinking. So if you're someone who uh, supports the idea that people should drink in a responsible, controlled way, you should absolutely support Dry January. It's the number one, it's the UK's number one intervention that creates controlled drinking for people who are previously out of control drinkers. And it does that by creating a break. People need a, a, a break a clear moment in which they're not drinking for a sustained enough period uh, 31 days is the key uh, uh, and that break is what allows people to reset their habit and retake control of their drinking okay. Dry January is a trademark programme that we deliver and of course something that people get involved in so just going dry on your own in January is not being part of Dry January Dry January you need to sign up you need to take part in our intervention uh, and we see Dry January as being pro-pub pro-hospitality and we think for years it's uh, although we've been getting that message out there uh, I think there's been a real uh, miscommunication between between the hospitality sector uh, and ourselves about Dry January many pubs actually know it it's an opportunity but some are still, are still a bit confused I think I think I mean that's, that's key I, I know James you want to ask I'll let you ask a question one sec I mean why why have why is it a contentious issue why has it become um, an issue for pubs because like you say ultimately if it's about being responsible I mean that's that's in the licensing sort of things you know you, you are you do control pubs are environments for control drinking it's it's not to excess all that kind of thing exactly um, yeah, yeah. Why, why have we why has it become a bit of a loggerheads kind of uh, situation well, I would say that um, part of the problem is people who uh, there's two there's two sorts of people here. So there's people who go dry on their own in January. Mm. That, that group, they're nothing to do with us. We don't, you know, we don't engage with them. They're not receiving our messages. Mm. Our messages are: do not hide under a duvet for, for for 31 days. Our message is: get out there, support the hospitality industry, go to restaurants, go to pubs, enjoy yourself, because that's the point. The point is to um, experience these things without drinking so that you uh, for the year ahead have, have the choice if you've just kind of hidden away you, you've kind of missed the point and our messaging is really clear about that 130 plus thousand people take part in the proper dry January campaign every year and for those guys they get that message I think because there's a there's a phenomenon of people also going dry in January uh, people people think that's what dry January is and I think that's that's one of the causes of confusion secondly actually and I'm going to be really blunt here pubs are way behind the curve too many pubs are way behind the curve on welcome those drinkers so many pubs still think that if it's not I've got alcohol in it we're not interested in it and of course that's we you know that's not the case because many 
pubs have been serving amazing meals and food for for, for 30 plus years you know yeah. the, the food revolution in pubs is 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 been something that i've really enjoyed and welcomed in my lifetime so actually we know logically pubs don't rely just on alcoholic drinks uh, but actually the embracing of alcohol free drinks is way 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 behind i'll give you one story on that i am from st Albans, uh, the home of camera uh, i'm a proud pub goer I, I love pubs and one of the reasons i moved to st Albans, i'm not joking it was because the pubs in st Albans. last year i went round every single pub in st Albans, not on one night i should mention um over a series over a series of weeks and ask them you know can I have an alcohol free drink what have you got in 50% of pubs there was no alcohol free beer at all or only one and it was a cheap nasty you know big brand mm. not high quality there was there was uh, not an ale it was always a lager usually Heineken or Bex Blue big chain tasteless kind of thing it's just not good enough and I think if you want to embrace we've got we've got 130,000 customers we want to send them to pubs if pubs have got a great offer on, we're going to do that. If they haven't, we're not, because it's just embarrassing for us. So what we would encourage pubs to do is, is, is get your range up. You need at least two lagers, at least two ales, uh, certainly in January, but maybe year-round. You certainly need wines. You need Nisecco. Uh, you need some good spirits. And there's amazing stuff out there. There's over 400 alcohol-free adult drinks now, uh, more than five being released every week. There's no excuse as a publican not to know that market and not to be welcoming. You call the hospitality industry be hospitable 20% of the population doesn't drink at all 40% in January do not cut off that market that's why it's an opportunity and I think the pubs that get January right see trade uh, live for the rest of the year they've got a huge extra segment of their market coming to them oh that pub's fantastic for alcohol free drinks and I know, I know which pubs in Snorpens are great for alcohol free drinks when I'm organising something with mates there's the pubs we go to yes absolutely absolutely James sorry you wanted to ask something I just wanted to take issue slightly with one of the, the, the your opening gambit there, which was talking about, I think, very harmful drinking. We're talking about kids being taken away from families and breakdown of relationships and all of that stuff, right? But they're not the people, in my opinion, they're not the people that are going to embrace 31 days off. These are problem drinkers that has impacted their day. They're not functioning. They're, they haven't, they've, you know, it's a breakdown point for them. What I think judge enemies about is middle class virtue signals and that's fine and if it helps them you know take a take a you know take a, a month off with the chardonnay then that's great because they'll tell you like vegans they'll tell you about it right away through january i think there's just a different thing then and i'm not arguing about the, the harm prevention i'm right with you it absolutely is. But i think these are two very different things you've got the medical thing these people are not going to give up they're going to be buying cheap alcohol and consuming it at home they're not going away from the, you know, I just think these are two different things. When you talk about, you know, when you're saying their pubs need to wake up to, that's what gets pubs backed up. They're trying to survive. And then you've got, with respect, you're sitting there telling people what they've got to do. And I kind of I appreciate the sentiment. But I think that's where you have the two things fighting each other is where you come from a, you know, very powerful position morally, but then you're talking at and down to pubs. So just trying to survive with energy, rising costs, all that stuff. So I think maybe tone of voice thing and, and yeah, yeah. Rich what, what's so, your thoughts uh, 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 let, let, let me be really clear on, on this uh, we're not telling pubs to do anything we're, but if pubs if pubs want to welcome more customers then that's what they need to be doing I, I, I've got maybe 
20 people immediately who don't go to many pubs and snorkels because they don't offer the right range of drinks. So all I'm saying is if you want to be hospitable, if you want to be the hospitality industry, welcome everybody. Don't just be, be exclusive, be inclusive. And that's an offer, it's an opportunity, but I'm not telling anyone what to do. We don't tell anybody what to do. We don't tell drinkers what to do. We don't tell pubs what to do. But we're saying there is an opportunity there. And yeah. pubs can turn down that opportunity if they like. That's entirely up to them. I must take issue with your first point because I'm afraid that's just not what the science of this is. Alcohol harms on the spectrum. That's been known for 20 years. Uh, there's still this myth out there that there's a serious end and that somehow qualitative is different. It's not true. Everybody who ends up with a serious problem starts off as a heavy drinker. And everyone who's a heavy drinker starts off as a light drinker. There is progression through that. What we're trying to do is intervene with heavy drinkers in that progression before things are even worse. Absolutely, some of the things I talked about in my opening segment, I was trying to describe alcohol harm briefly. But heavy drinkers also die. Anyone drinking 28 units of alcohol a week is very likely to die of alcohol. And I think we have to we have to wake up and, and start to understand the actual science of alcohol harm. Most people who, who get a, a stroke, most people who get heart disease, uh, yeah, alcohol is a factor in that. It's the biggest, it's the number one cause of death for working age adults. Most people who die from alcohol are not alcohol dependent. And I think I mean, if, we, if we only accept alcohol dependency as the problem, then we, we miss so much of the harm. I know where you're coming from, I completely get it, and I completely respect hospitality. I, in, I think that's, yeah. champion of us. I think that there's 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 a whole other topic in there that that uh, <laughs> we we could dig into, and we, we won't necessarily have time. He's just gone white at the mention of <laughs> units there, but uh, we, we'll gloss over that. It's twenty eight a day, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, no, that's just what you've had at lunch. Um, wow. I mean, the one thing I'm curious about, Rich, I mean, why January? Why have you picked January? Because, I mean, typically January is is quite a difficult month, um, you know, uh, particularly for, for the hospitality trade. People aren't going out. So I think that's part of the problem. I guess people kind of think it's it's also targeting... I know you, you know, your your argument that actually they should embrace it. There's an opportunity, but why particularly January? Why not any other month of the year to, uh, to, to run a campaign like this? I guess... Uh I guess if we picked a camp, if a part of the year that's already quiet, arguably we're doing less damage. If we picked December, you would be up in arms, right? So, so you say avoid the, if you would be telling me, avoid the parts of the year where, that are meant to be our, our best selling parts of the year. Yes, what you would be telling me. So, so kind of what do you expect me to do? The, the reality is it, this started as a phenomenon that people started themselves. Um, you know, people can take any month of the year off. Uh, and our Try Dry app allows people to take any month of the year off. Mm-hmm. But something, there's something about January, New Year's resolutions, that, that just taps into the national phenomenon. And I think it, it works, it's really effective. Um, and, you know, we, sa- we save uh, 10, 20,000 lives a year through through this, this program. If you're not embracing it, you've got to really understand what it is you're against. You're against people taking control of their drinking. That's, that's, a, that's a difficult place, I think, to be. So I just think kind of learn more about it talk to us we're open to talk to anybody and we want to talk about dry jam we want to talk about how we can make it better we want to talk about ways to improve it but you've got to understand what it is mm-hmm. you're talking about and I think we're, we're talking about a programme here uh, that you know costs £2.50 to save a life uh, and, and it, it's, it's incredibly effective it's scientifically tested it's evaluated it's designed by experts it's got um, you know people involved in developing it who are part of it um, and it's all optional 
it's all encouraging people to take part. Nobody, we don't tell anybody to do it. We just say, if you want to do it, we're here. Uh, we even Sweet. have, we even have within our Try Dry app, go and visit a pub, uh, go and have an alcohol-free drink. You get badges for that. So we're actively encouraging people to take part in hospitality. We've reached out to Green King. We've reached out to UK Hospitality, inviting all of them to, to work with us to, to make January a better month for pubs. I, we want the same thing. So the, the, we want pubs to be successful. We, we want responsible drinking, right? There are tools and things that they can work with you to to embrace this. You have you have things that uh, that, that pubs. So if we we'll include that, I guess if, if if there's links and things, we will include that when we when we upload the podcast um, and uh, and point people in the right direction. But I'm afraid we are out of time, Richard. But thank you very much for that, Richard. No problem at all. Could I say one thing, which is an invitation? Mm. Just, uh, you know, we have a, 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 a... This is literally an open invitation. It's entirely up to you whether to include this in the podcast or not. But if any pub wants to get in touch, because they're already doing a great job and they want we, us to send 100 drinkers their way, or they want to do a good job and they want they want to just find out more about what, what an, a good alcohol-free offer would look like, we can provide that advice for free. And I'm happy to give my email address. They can contact me directly. Richard.Piper alcoholchange.org.uk we're completely open we're always happy to talk fantastic we will include that brilliant okay thank you very much Richard thanks Richard cheers awesome thanks a lot cheers This is the Lock In Podcast with myself, Ed Bennington, Heath Ball and James Cuthbertson. We're focusing on the challenging post-Christmas trade period, especially challenging this year with inflation, cost of living, etc. The last thing pubs really need is to have initiatives like Dry January thrown on top, but we have to face the reality and what better way than to up your game on your non-alcoholic offer. To help us with that, we've got podcast regular and low and no expert Laura Willoughby of Club Soda joining us. I'm trying to raise the excitement level. Most dramatic, exciting sort of start to, to, make to up any guest. the fact that I don't drink, right? <laughs> well, you're drinking tea, so... I feel like a lot of tea. I don't think that's what I was on about. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if you were giving the pub trade an end-of-year school report, Laura, how would you mark them for their low and no offer at the moment? Um, Must try of- harder? Uh, well, yes. I mean, actually, I would always say when people say to me, pubs don't have great low and no, I go, oh, my God, it was better than it was like even three years ago. But I feel like post-lockdown, it sort of stalled a little bit. And, you know, pubs still finding their way. There's a lot of issues around costs as well. So I still think there's a, li- a little bit of a slowdown. And I'm, I'm hoping that next year we can come in and go, excellent. Now there's even more for you to try and more for your customers. And there's some more compelling reasons to put a better offer in behind your bar. Every time I see the interest rate hike go I need a drink and if it's going to keep on going up anymore well, I don't I, I'm going to be locked up it's, it's not the law you don't have to have a drink but uh, oh, but, I can, but, I, but I might eat a cinnamon bun instead so I'm, I'm, I sort of hear you everyone yeah. has their vices yeah absolutely um, I mean that is an interesting point actually you know cost of living things are getting quite challenging for people um, traditionally you know low and no drinks are quite expensive by comparison to some of their sort of alcoholic counterparts or, or equivalent and people do tend to kind of go well why should I be paying that there's no alcohol in it I mean is that going to be a factor do you think um, I think anything that's not a necessity will be a bit of a factor but what mm. is a necessity when people go out to 
pub and bar is that fee- you know they, they've made the decision to go out yes. they're going out for a good night if they're not drinking they still want to feel like they're having as good mm. an experience as everyone else and if you were to pour me a coke from a hose I would not be having the same night as everyone else right mm. so um, so put aside any thoughts you have around whether or not there's a cost barrier once someone's decided to go out they're, they're out for a good time and they want to feel good they want to feel included they want to feel that the drink they've got in their hand is a reward not just something they would have drunk out of a can during the day to rehydrate mm. and so making sure you've got an equalised offer um, is really important and I think you can play around with it in January right so mm. um, traditionally people have spent less in, in the on trade in January because they've spent a lot in December but that doesn't mean there isn't a huge amount of curious consumers that you can bring into your space by bringing in some extra skews into your bar mm. over January and making a feature of it it's worth knowing that the biggest selling beer for stop on one of the largest online retailers in the UK at the moment is an alcohol free beer right. um, so people are definitely adding it into their diet, putting it in their shopping basket, so giving people the opportunity to try behind the bar is really good teaming up with some of the brands might mean that they could put on a great cocktail event for you with their um, ambassador and you can drive some people in with some food, nice co- everyone loves making cocktails apart from probably me um, I'm really bad at it um, but everyone is making cocktails so you can create some events some tasting some um some tie-ups with some brands that would drive some footfall in january and maybe help you decide what you would put behind the bar for the rest of the year i, I mean what 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 are your thoughts towards dry january i mean how do you view it um <laughs> i'm not sticking, my sticking tongue your tongue out of me that's a, an evil question to ask but uh, you don't have to answer it if you don't want to I'll get hate to answer it because uh, I'm sure we know his thoughts uh, well Dry January has a particular purpose run by a particular organisation it's piggybacked on the fact that people are, are less likely to drink in January or, or go out and spend money um, it in January it doesn't make sense to me though it's the worst month of the year it's cold it's dark give me a bottle of wine put the fire on let me chill out take a month off I in know, April but, May but, but you're not everybody and unfortunately I don't think you're going to be able to control everybody so I mean absolutely you do you right yeah. um, but generally people um, hunker down they've spent too much over Christmas and, and January is when they definitely tighten their belt now I think there's you know which has always presented an opportunity for the the industry and the fact that somebody's put a campaign around it and called it dry January is um, means that it, it's got a little bit more it's got a title and it's got some status in, mm. in society I do believe you should take a month off at any point in time you should also look at how you might moderate across the year moderation's better isn't all it all of those if you things you just cut you done your drinking over the whole year take some you know don't have to go out all the time and just be sensible oh all, all, all things are good if they're good for you. At, at the end mm. of the day, changing how you drink alcohol isn't going to do you any harm, right? No, that's, that's the bottom line. I think there's a great opportunity. You know, I think it's a bit too focused just on drinking um, and, and alcohol. And there's a not great opportunity in January for us to reframe our social spaces, our pubs and bars as restaurants, as the living rooms of Britain, right? As our, as our really important social spaces. And let people see that, that you can do more in a venue than just, just drink beer. And mm. eat if only the chips. government would see that, instead of punishing us, 
I wonder places when you were of ill repute. That one then. No, it's oh, true so. though. We get punished, like it, because they just consider places of ill repute. We drink and all that. But if you, like you said, if we're going there and you're socialising, you're having tea, you're having. I mean, we're much more inclusive spaces than we've ever been. I know. I mean, the, it, pumps have evolved to such an extent. You Absolutely. Know, a few years back, you know, you, if you didn't smoke, it wasn't particularly pleasant. That's now sort of when more women can go and feel more comfortable in these environments. It, it's a. It, we have improved that. Yeah, every, so. most pubs do coffee now. We. In the old days, you'd walk in and they go, coffee? Oh. Yeah, and it's likely that the person behind the bar is in a running group and, mm. you know, all of those sorts of things. I think there's a really good opportunity for um, venues to show that they um, they can, that they're part, they're the heart of the community. Mm. And it doesn't matter what time of year it is, they, that the locals got your back. And so let's, mm. let's get some community running groups going and remind people that the cricket team and the football team will meet after matches and all of that sort of stuff. I do think there's, um, by focusing just on Veganuary or Dry January we miss out all of the other neat yeah. bits that are in, in a venue mm. I would like to see a January where we celebrate the British Boozer and because there's a little bit more space and a little bit more time you could do some new and exciting things in those spaces and encourage you know the book groups to come and meet there encourage you know um, people who might be available during the day like those mums groups because no childcare anymore right yeah. to come in and and sit during the day and and and, and it's an experiment from both sides isn't it so venues to see what new opportunities there are in the community for consumers and consumers to see that this space isn't just that place they've seen people tipping out of uh, at midnight but it's actually got a space for them during the day Mm. 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 Uh, how can pubs improve then what would you say um, with with their their non-alcoholic offer we're drilling back into that what what areas would you say they could do a better job so definitely have more than one beer because you would have more than one beer if you're an alcohol drinker so think about your range of beer and um, it was really interesting actually I've I've never been so excited by a swing tag in my life a what? a swing tag a, a little a, yeah, what you're a, 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 a little tag alright like, let me explain um, <laughs> wow. it, it might be easier Cam did some research a little while ago that showed that there was about 80 million pound left on the table when um, people come into a restaurant and don't order a drink but just have tap water Lucky Saint um, funded some of that research and then I turned up to a Japanese restaurant and we ordered tap water and around that tap water uh, jug was a little label that Bola said Saki. have you have you know, have you thought about having um, having thought about uh, Lucky Saint we serve it here complete upsell mm. from without the staff having to do very much complete upsell Smart. from tap water to an alcohol free drink reminding people who are not drinking today that there is actually something behind the bar because it's still the assumption from consumers that there isn't something and therefore they will just go for tap water and I yeah, do that yeah, all the time yeah, yeah. So make sure you've got a range of beers. Make sure you've got some nice spirits behind the bar. You don't have to have many, but enough where you're confident to make some cocktails and have some cocktails on your recipe, on your menu, as well as um, do a simple serve. It could be that you find a local spirit. If you're in the southwest, there's actually a smorgasbord of alcohol-free spirits that you can pick from, so you can look at something local. And then begin to explore some of the wines um, uh, or, or wine alts that will go with food. And that could be a sparkling tea. 
or that could be actually you know the new odd bird wines that are coming through which I think are uh, fantastic and and make sure that you've got something that goes with you know something for somebody who's just coming in for a drink alongside somebody who's coming in to have something to go with food and make sure you cover your bases and types of consumer just like you would with your um, alcoholic offer and remember it's actually more important to people that have drunk before and are either now not drinking today or are cutting down that they have a good alcohol free drink rather than those people who have never drunk before who have just you know submitted themselves to some terrible drink mm. that I won't necessarily name on this podcast um, uh, in the past um, conscious of time but in terms of innovation where would you say uh, or NPD new product development what, what's interesting what, what should operators be looking for coming through which is uh, it's all about the mood enhancing oh. so yeah oh yeah I got James your attention now look he put his phone down for the first time <laughs> so, I'm googling odd bird wines um, oh, and now and now he's googling mood enhancing <laughs> so James is trying to butt in on the, uh, on the internet now sorry James I was going to say, mood enhancing, what, like alcohol? <laughs> Think, things that enhance your mood that aren't alcohol, so aptogenics, herbs, so you know, three spirits, Sentia, they, they both promise a natural lift, things with CBD in, so you would have seen Trip um, coming along. Um, I can tell you that the consumer is really, really, really interested. They buy mood enhancing products like they buy alcohol, i.e. they don't question it, they go, oh yeah, I'll have some of that, please. And um, it's definitely uh, the really big growth category in alcohol-free. And it's, um, I think it's really exciting. Um, and people are asking for those products. And those people, particularly in January, who are on a bit of a health kick, they are seen as value-added products. So I'm not only having an alcohol-free drink, but it's full of you know, mood-boosting, yeah. good-for-you um, herbs and elixirs that um, will, will give me a bit of a lift, but aren't going to give me a hangover tomorrow. Um, our pop-up last year was around the corner from a spinning studio and we sold an awful lot of Three Spirits Livener to that, that group of people who came out there and went, oh, an extra thing to get me moving. So <laughs> I, I, I think that's definitely something to see. And like I said, I think wine's moment will come next year. There's some really good products on the market. Mm. You you discovered Thompson & Scott last mm. year. Yeah. Yeah. They've got their new red out. It's yes, particularly it's good. good. And yeah. their, their white and rosé will come out this year. Mm. And so suddenly you'll have some, um, some more options and some more things to put on your menu. Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, there you have it. Mood enhancing is uh, is the way of the future. So, thank you very much for that, Laura. No problem. You're listening to the Lock In Podcast and we're focusing on the misery months of winter. Christmas is over and with the cost of living crisis really starting to bite, consumers are more likely than ever to be staying at home, lighting some candles and rationing the Netflix. So what can operators do to promote themselves and drive footfall during those hard times? I'm delighted to welcome our special guest and another podcast regular, Mark McCulloch, to the show to share some top tips. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Oh, great. Good to be here. Um, most exciting thing I could be doing on a Friday afternoon, so I'm very excited. Yeah, you yeah. lie, like a cup of tea, though. I don't have a beer in front of me. That's uh, well. I mean, you were up till four o'clock the other day, so um, mm. we'll, 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 we'll gloss over that. Um, <laughs> really appreciate you getting involved, Mark. Uh, of course, better things to do on a Friday afternoon. Um, 
what what I mean we were just talking off air then um, you know we, we, we're sort of looking this is a sort of uh, uh, how pubs can market themselves how they can sort of uh, drive foot forward during those winter months just discussing Twitter change of ownership Elon Musk is that going to be a good thing do you think what, what, what do you where do you see and what, what do you think it'll mean for pubs well I think what it'll mean is increased interest first of all you know so it's newsworthy something's changed something's happened one of the world's most famous men is involved in this so it's at least going to create intrigue and what that means is it's going to increase attention good you know because you want to get in front of people where the attention is it means that there'll be new audiences attracted to it um and also it means that you know, there'll be a bit of a rejuvenation. And, and I think what I was saying just off air there was the bit that's exciting me the most, and it's, uh, it's not Donald Trump coming back on his... Uh, oh, that's uh, nice. uh, thing. Liar. Liar. <laughs> Hello, yeah, let's see. <laughs> um, but the, the biggest thing for me is innovation. And I was talking about it last night. I was out with the Riddle and Finns boys from, from Brighton last night, and we were talking about it a lot. And yes, there's downfalls. Yes, there's, you know, potential freedom of speech can turn into hate speech and all these things mm-hmm. but I think the innovation so exciting and just things like the way Elon Musk thinks is largely amazing and right when you hear what he's got to say you know it is very very futuristic also he's going to take try and at least take back the crown of Twitter um, you know, being one of the most innovative things out there by bringing back Vine, and if we cast our minds back to Vine, oh, Vine, Vine was pretty much the original TikTok, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so Twitter was failing; it was going nowhere. Didn't really have its place in the world. Although, genuinely, it is my favourite platform to be on. I love it. I genuinely love it. Um, but I think that it was going to be like the the Daily Telegraph or whatever. You know, we're all getting older. We're all going to die. And you know, there was no rejuvenation. So I think he'll bring in so many big ideas. Also, isn't making money. Advertising's not working, and he's he's, he's got to financially make this work and pay the bills. So mm-hmm. I, I I don't think he's wrong with what he's. Doing at all. There's a lot of fat to be stripped there. So there's there's um, from a pub's point of view then for those that have maybe become a little bit jaded about Twitter um, and and using it less is maybe one to keep an eye on and to consider as a as a marketing uh, uh, driver then? Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the whole thing is with pubs as well. You know, Do you have a marketing team of millions? No. Do you have budgets of millions? Usually not. You know, it's uh, poor James tweeting away at three in the morning or whatever, you know, trying to get people to come in and all the rest of it. So I think where I would be at is do just do your due diligence and say, right, where am I geographically? Where am I from a customer point of view? Where is my customer's attention? So what is the target segment that you're going after that will be the most profitable segment for you for the next few years? And if the answer is their eyeballs and their attention is on Twitter, great, that's what you do. If it's it's our older audience and it's a local paper, maybe that's what you have to do, you know? Um, You've got to cut your cloth when you're in hospitality and pubs and all the rest of it. We can't use every single social media channel well. Mm. We can't do everything brilliantly. We don't have the bandwidth, we don't have the resource, we don't have the budget. So I think this is about being really, for me and James, very Scottish about the whole thing, being frugal. (laughs) I'd forgotten that Scottish. You know, and just cutting your cloth and just saying, right, where am I going to get the best return and go from there? What I would say, last thing on Twitter is, 
what it's wonderful at is actually, and people talk about this, there's a music Twitter, there's a foodie Twitter, there's a pub Twitter, there's a this, there's a that. So wow. actually you can segment so well in there and I enjoy it the most because I've got a music Twitter where I'm mostly tweeting about Taylor Swift and Adele Ray and Taylor Swift. Fifteen again. Yeah. Don't get him started. Don't get him started. Um, wow. Uh, yeah. Recent, well, recently they've lost fantasies. Um, so, so there's that. And then I think the second thing is, um, you know, you're you're basically, um, you know, you're in business world and then you're in the foodie world. So what's quite cool about Twitter is you really can find your tribe and you can find quite an influential tribe. Is this um, your way of you telling us your multiple there. personality disorder? Yeah, it's possible. Okay, it's possible. Um, well, uh, just the other thing just you know look at Dave Strauss for example right so Dave Strauss opening reopening three compasses with Racine going to be there yeah. all the rest of it mm-hmm. Dave will build business on Twitter and he's slightly grumpy personality um, never that's how he's going to do it and, it, and you know and, and, he, and it's going to be literally literally zero marketing mm-hmm. it's going to be built off Dave's reputation yeah and, Henry's you know, the as chef well the chef and all yeah. that and and Audience up over years. He's well loved, well networked, same as Osh did, oh, yeah. uh, um, Guinea Grill, and, and and you and did for Audley. That's the game. Yeah. That's how you use Twitter brilliantly. Yeah. Um, so it's a masterclass. Follow them. You won't go far wrong. Okay. Um, just just coming back to January, February, shit times of the year. I mean, what what good things, what good initiatives have you seen pubs doing, uh, or, or ideas would you give to them to to try and sort of keep themselves sort of uh, in people's minds and, and driving people to, to, to come in well the game's changed hasn't it so it feels like we've all been punched in the face and usually we'd be really worried about should we be offering veganuary or should we be doing a discount or should we the world is it's completely changed right and I'm sure most of the pub world isn't really worrying about you know what their vegan dish is going to be really that much I think there's bigger things at play here well I so ma- maybe you... screwed our podcast then because that's what we've been talking about all day but thanks for that <laughs> well, well I'm sure there's some of it really you know if if you go out and um, you check the temperature of the audience, right, and and you see what's really going on out there, we're all worried, right? We're all worried about when our fixed-term mortgage is up. We're all worried about that next mm. electric bill, he says, with two vanity lights on the podcast. Um, you know, and, and we're and, not even <laughs> recording it as video, Mark. Brilliant. <laughs> so... Um, so you know, so in terms of that, you know, if you then follow that through to your customer base, um, I was doing some notes just before we were coming on. I think there's three categories broadly, right? So I think there's value. So there's a bunch of pubs that are value, every value, and that's your spoons, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right? Mm-hmm. And they will be rammed at all times as usual. Mm-hmm. Then at the top of the tree, you've got opulence. Right, so you look at you know slightly out of pubs. You've got you know back in Alia opening Richard Cairns' latest venture and all the rest of it. I'm sure you know you and the guys at um, Aud- you inventors and the guys at Audley um, will do all right. You know the the, the the Guinea Grill, all these, and it's the middle that's going to get squeezed. Mm-hmm. So predominantly for the listeners of the podcast, this will be the middle will be listening. Mm-hmm. So it's what do you do? You know, um, and I think the main things you can do there is, you know, I've got a few notes kind of on this. I think one is really pushing value for quality. So you're not going to be as cheap as Witherspoons. And if you slash your pub, who's a bit more premium, 
uh, to those prices, you're going to get killed. You know, there's always someone with bigger pockets, you know, and it's no, it's just a race to the bottom. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to work. And then the opulent side of things, your customer base are only going to take so much, they're not going to pay 30 quid for fish and chips, right? Mm. Um, so I think it's about you being fair on the pricing as much as you can, but also getting across the quality of the products, the quality of your environment, the quality of your teams. And then I think the great variable here is the teams. Mm. So if people go in, and they, and I think one of the main messages here for January and February is escapism. Mm. And I actually could see a pub going out with a press release and going, we are not going to show any news at all for the next three months. Come here and forget about the bad stuff for a Mm. while Mm. and just come and hide away a little bit, put your head under the covers. So I think there's that. I think there's the heating stuff to play on as well. You know, come and work from hours, come and, you know, dine at hours, come and drink at hours and leave your heating off. Yeah. You know, Mm. one of the the biggest um, PR stunts of the last couple of weeks was EasyJet had a £299 month-long trip to Egypt, mm. which then is cheaper than your heating bill. <laughs> so you just go to Egypt for the month of January and, and you cheaper. switch everything off. Mm. Right? So I think without being too glib about it, I think you could learn that really yeah. easily. A couple of other things. I think it's, this is where you truly serve the community. So a lot of pubs talk about it and you know, I get it, you open their doors and they're the hub of the community, but proactively helping the community. So what can you do to put on events? What can you do to just make people's lives better? Mm. You know? And there'll be a million ways to do that from a knitting circle to a book club to salsa classes to just what can you do to just take people's mind off all this crap that's going on mm-hmm. until someone else gets in. Um and then in terms of the other couple of bits, um I think it's a great opportunity there's never been a greater opportunity to encourage and reward loyalty Mm. so you could take a slightly longer term hit on pricing and flash sales and points and free stuff and subscription models and all these things for you then having a bit more customer lifetime value and repeat visits Mm. so I think what you'll be able to do is say to people join our club and you will get this, 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 this. And it doesn't seem so 50% off and all that. Yeah. I watched a great video the other week and it said, people get addicted to discount. They don't get addicted to free. And you surprise and delights and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a far better yeah, way to, 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 mm. to go about Discounting's it. Discounting's fucking horrible. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Say again? Discounting's horrible. It destroys your Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't help anyone, you know. And then it, yeah, it just it just cheapens everything. Mm-hmm. And most people listening to this uh, and yourselves, you you're not in that game, no. you know. So I think this is actually where hospitality could be at its best. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. can take care of the entire nation mm-hmm. and take their minds off this whole thing and just make their life a bit better, mm-hmm. you know, half an hour at a time. Fantastic. Brilliant, Mark. I'm, I'm afraid we are out of time, which is frustrating because uh, I think we probably could dig into that a lot more. But thank you for that. Some really good uh, tips and advice there. Huh? 
This is the Lock-In Podcast with myself, Ed Bennington, James Cuthbertson and Heath Ball. So we've talked about dry January, but the fun sponges aren't just content with taking our beer. We've now got to give up the meat as well. Veganuary is the latest terrible idea to be inflicted on the world, and once again it falls on the most unpleasant of months. But is it something pubs should be considering and embracing? We've got Ella Cranmer, Food Marketing Manager with Fullest, with us today to discuss this. So thanks for joining us, Ella. Hello. Good stuff. I mean, we... What, what do you think about Veganuary? I mean, do you, is it something that's <laughs> strong right on, on the it? spot? Right on the spot. Um, what do I think about Veganuary? I mean, I think um, any initiative to get people to eat less meat for the environment is probably quite a good thing. Um, I'm not a vegan myself, so it's not something I necessarily partake in. Um, but yeah, I think any excuse to talk about different foods, different you know, uh, yeah, types of dishes, I guess, is a great, great, great opportunity. Exceptionally diplomatic answer. <laughs> What are your thoughts? I don't know. Like we say, you're saving the planet and all that, but then we're chopping down the rainforest to grow more soya beans. You know what I mean? It's yin and yang. It's like you buy an electric car, but it's getting powered by fossil fuels. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, I think there needs to be balance. And I think, you know, my problem with vegan January and dry January and all that, how about we just spread it over the year and be sensible what we eat and drink instead of cramming it all into one month and then virtual signaling all your mates because you've done dry January well done you and you haven't eaten some meat but then the other 11 months you're smashing back McDonald's every day and you know pints of Stella do you know what I mean I don't know why we look at you James (laughs) Uh, what's what's your thoughts James what do you think to to Veganuary it's too late too late it's too too late late. the planet's dying (laughs) (laughs) it's dying have your steak, have your chicken, stuff in, live a good life. <laughs> I mean, I expect this, I expect this kind of thing from Heath, not from you. <laughs> I think I'm fed up with being told what to do. That's what I think. I think Heath's right. Just make small, if everyone just makes small changes, the problem is that it isn't going to change. In one month's not going to make a difference, so crack on and have your steak. Do you not think though, like they say, don't they, that it takes 30 days to break a habit? So I guess if you do stick to Veganuary or Dry January, do you think you'll like take some of those that forward as a habit? I don't no. know. Well, you know I, 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 I think you'll be so battle worn <laughs> after a month of eating grass and, t- and tap water and you know kombucha and stuff that you'll just you'll get to that that first of the month and just go right, smash back a couple of bottles of red, have some steak, have a curry. It, you know? it would be interesting. I would be really interested to see any data with the vegan side of that. They all lie though. That any, you ask the anybody, they lie. They lie. Goes, Everyone lies. But you do that drinking thing, and you guarantee that you know anyone who gives up drinking for a period of time for charity or for whatever they absolutely hammer it when they come out so they drink twice as much as they were drunk in February as a result so drink no but I'd be interested to see and they they tell you how much and they love telling you they didn't drink for a month those yeah, oh yeah. Imagine, a, imagine a vegan not drinking for a month. That's a double whammy. You hear about both things again and again and just, again and again. Just have no, nothing happy in your life, I think, is the... Uh, it's I mean, just I, balance, I, though, isn't I, it? I should put cards on the table. I am the ex-editor of the Meat Trace Journal, so I'm slightly biased in this argument. Mm. And I do take issue with the environmental thing. I think there's a, there's a lot of misinformation around uh, meat consumption and the environment you know there's yes there's issues there's no getting away from that but I think there are um, a lot of uh, dubious facts put out by various sort of uh, 
interested groups that would like us to think that you know eating a, a snake from a cow in England is destroying the rainforest in Brazil when I mean the reality the, the, the great one is the water you know it takes you know how many litres of water to make a hamburger you know most of the cows in this country we live in a fairly wet island you know they're eating grass they're out in fields most of the year round they're not being fed grain they're not it's a fairly sustainable product and even in in sort of third world countries things like that you know meat is a is a fantastic nutritional uh, product we, that we allows the, people to, we to eat produce too much, easily we, eat it. we do eat the, too the much problem yeah. is it's yeah. cheap it's over consumption yeah and we, we you know like, the Sicilians would only have meat once a month yep. and it was a fish and it was a plant based diet but now everyone's eating you know you just go you can go and have McDonald's you can go and have all the rubbish you can have curry mm. it's so accessible and it, it's become so cheap and the production becomes so cheap and it's become bad for you you know what I mean mm. so it's eating better I think yeah. eating better quality yeah which and that can be better quality meat can be better but you're right I think overall consumption so that brings us to, to I mean you can you can talk about this perhaps in terms of our pubs doing enough to cater for that vegetarian vegan uh, lifestyle choices on menus because I mean we've talked about this in the past and you, if you're going out to eat with a vegan mm-hmm. they choose where you go oh, because they, yeah. and it will be the place that does the most, the most of the best offer yeah um, I guess you have to separate with that, like the vegans and the vegetarians and the vegans and the flexitarians, because I think what's happened over the last few years is we've had a really big like wave, of, I suppose, a big trend and of, of veganism, and everyone's jumped on the vegan bandwagon and almost forgotten their vegetarian customers a little bit and forgotten mm. the flexitarians. And I think, if anything, actually, you know, if we're talking about balance, those are the people's that, people that we should be appealing to a little bit more. I think those are the people we should be doing more for on our menus, because ultimately, you know, if people choose to eat vegetarian three days a week but they really really want to eat eggs and cheese then let them you know and we should have a menu that allows them to do that mm. without completely pushing them the other way to pick a vegan dish mm. Um, mm. so yeah I think there's a, a lot that we need to do in that regard um, but I mean you know we've we have completely changed the menu we've there's you know vegan on vegan dishes on every single uh, menu in starters puddings mains so we're doing as much as we can but I think what we need to do is just shout a little bit more about the fact that they are quite accessible they're really nice you know and we're not necessarily pushing them down the meat substitute um, route either mm-hmm. interesting you mentioned meat mm-hmm. substitute because we're going to be trying some in a minute uh, when they come out from the kitchen um What's your thoughts on that? Because we've seen massive growth in, yeah. in uh, sort of fake meat products of late. And that, that isn't necessarily aimed at the vegans or the vegetarians, is it? No. I mean, I don't know how many actual, and I don't, you know, don't know loads of veget- vegans myself, but I don't know how many actually want, like, replicate, you know, chicken that they think is from KFC. I don't think mm. any, any of them actually do. Mm. I think if you're a vegan and you're a true vegan and you've been a vegan for your whole life, for example, you are happy with the food that you've been consuming. God help you. You've yeah. been happy with, you know, the vegetable dishes and, you know the plant-based dishes I suppose that you've been eating your whole life I don't think you necessarily want you know fake burgers that replicate McDonald's mm. um, and I think they're ultra processed but I think what they've been missing out on <laughs> for all that's this so time the ones so that, I mean they don't know what yeah. they don't know no that's so uh... true it's so true but yeah I think ultimately we need to yeah it is what it is, isn't it? We've just got to appeal to them in different ways. Yeah, well, maybe. Well, you want to cater for everybody, don't you? You want everybody to come into your pub. The pub's very sort of, you know, we always say front living room. But you want to have, you don't want to lose customers because you've got no vegan dishes. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be flexible. You do, yeah, definitely. Yeah. What about meat? What's your thoughts on meat substituting? I think it's a bit shit. You know what I mean? Like, do you really want a burger that bleeds like a piece of beef? You know what I mean? I don't know. I'd rather have proper vegetarian food or ve- vegan food. Mm. I don't want something that's synthetic and made to look like meat. James, what about you? Any plant-based burgers on your barbecue? 
No, I just I think um, it's one of the frankly vegan and vegetarian dishes are probably overrepresented on most menus. If you take a percentage of those people that are vegan and vegetarian, um, I would guess uh, through the fact that they talk about it all the time, um, mm. and no one goes in and says there's not enough meat dishes on this menu. Um, but the vegan will let you know. Well, we see, we see that at the Red Lion in in. in in January we put more vegan dishes on but it only accounts for 7% of our sales on our food sales so people like seeing it and going oh this is great vegan, you know. but they'll go and eat all the steak and chicken so they like to see because it because we're I mean, I mean yeah like you're right James you know we, we by proportion of people who are vegetarian or vegan and proportional menu they, there is a mismatch but then that's because we're maybe ghettoising it as a vegetarian or vegan option rather than just this is nice fucking food it's, a really good dish yeah uh, and I think that's where we have to get to because I think if we want to encourage people to eat less meat if that's the overall yeah. aim and objective for everybody you have to have vegetarian dishes on your menu that don't say I'm vegetarian have you been to Max's sandwich shop uh, uh, he's a mate of mine and he, he does a sandwich sandwich and I had it and I was like oh my god that was amazing I go oh, what's actually in it and he breaks down and I go oh it's vegetarian he goes yeah I go, oh but it didn't have a phoenix and he goes oh I don't do that because it puts people off mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's true it was an amazing sandwich yeah. like it was an onion yeah. bhaji sort of type thing it's banging yeah. Yeah. but he you know he didn't well, you hear gluten free you think it doesn't taste as nice you just, yeah. it's just true you yeah. need to scream not you know, not as good as it could be. Maybe we need to label less. Anyway, I think we are going to try some food now. So uh, let's uh, let's try some of these products. So we've got a range of products here. Um, I mean, we've got smoked hot dogs. We've got fake bacon, sage and onion sausages, chicken pieces, meatballs, and some burgers. So uh, what are we going to start with, guys? I think we have to start with the worst, don't we? <laughs> what is the worst? It's either the, chi- the, the chicken... What is it? I mean, the chicken like bits look like something my cat deposited the other day. So that's... Um, I, this doesn't look appealing, does it? I mean, the bacon is special. What are we going to go with? Should we start with the chicken? Yeah, why not? Start eh? with the yeah, chicken. Come on, then. Let's, uh, thank you, Heath. So, it's civilised. We're even using cutlery. Right. I mean, this is going to be a lovely recording of everyone masticating there. It's, um... Have you just Googled that word? No. Oh. Should put this on TikTok. Should be masticating. Yeah, really, it? It, it tastes... Right. Well, it's got it tastes like soya. Texture. I can really get the soya taste mm-hmm. in that. It's really... I don't know, man. You'd have to bury that in the sauce to make it taste good. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, we're eating it pretty much sort of au natural which isn't probably how you would use it um, it's not an unpleasant texture though it does say add sauce yeah pen fry S- smothering sauce so it's smothering sauce yeah mm. it doesn't taste like chicken though so I guess it, no. that's what they were going for they've missed it a little so this bit. is the vegetarian butchers what the cluck Let's see what they did though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Soya based chicken. And this was recommended chunks. to me by Charlie, who is the office vegetarian. Okay. So, um, the thing is, if you're a proper vegetarian your whole life and this stuff comes out, it's amazing because it's got flavour. Yeah. It's mm. the people who eat meat who try to become vegetarian get pissed off at it because it's not what they thought it should be. Yeah. They well, still most of this stuff is aimed at, at, at guys like myself who would go, I'm going to eat, uh, you know, <laughs> thanks, um, but I don't want to eat meat, I want to eat something different. Oh, maybe healthier. I don't know. These things probably aren't healthy, are they? Right, I'm come just on, trying let's... to think what you'd put with it. What? Sweet and sour sauce. But that's it, right? Curry. That's the only thing that Curry. would cover it. Yeah. Yeah. Curry sauce. Something really strong. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. What do you want to try next? Right. Let's. We're going to do the bacon, bacon. aren't we? I had the bacon I mean, earlier. I cheated. It looks interesting. It's, it's like a cross between bacon flexible. and jerky. Okay. What do we think? I mean, it's basically smoked, isn't it? That's the. Um, mm-hmm. And all you're not, getting is the smokeness. It, but it's, it doesn't even. You know, with bacon, you get that nice fat that sits in your mouth. This mm. just taste of synthetic. It's pea protein, is it? What do you think, Jane? Oh, he's gone. Soya protein concentrate, water, soya protein isolate, flavouring, pea protein isolate, vegetable extracts, radish, beetroot, carrot, paprika, salt, potato starch, rapeseed oil, some word I can't pronounce. The entrails of trees. Iron, vitamin B112, antioxidant, absorbic acid. And this is, hang on, let's say, this is, um, this product is called This Isn't Bacon Rashes. Used by the 16th of November, so it's, it's... it's not a long shelf life. No. No. I'm actually yeah. these these guys do um this isn't do this isn't chicken and their this isn't chicken fake chicken is actually pretty good. Yeah. But this quite dry. This one isn't. Right. Okay. Let's go for the hot dogs. Chopping those up. Thing is, I mean, they look. They look, they look good, right. don't they? They look like uh, hot dogs. Yeah, but hot dogs are shit anyway, folks. aren't they? Really. Well, I mean, they're generally made from the sweepings of the floor of the factory, aren't they? So. Not bad. Okay. Smell-wise, they smell of nothing. Mm. These are supposed to be smoked as well, which is a bit odd. What's in that? Um, Vegetable protein. You could give that to a kid and they wouldn't know. Yeah. No. Dehydrated vegetables. I think that's horrible. Yeah, but... It tastes of nothing. Green tea extract. Interesting. It literally tastes of nothing. Mm -hmm. It's like chewing... Yeah, rubber. Loads of mustard or ketchup on that, and you wouldn't know the difference, yeah, though, yeah. would you? Put in a brioche bun. Mm. I don't know. Okay. I like my hot dogs. I'm, I'm just going to check on, a piece of the uh, He is diving into the sage and onion sausage. This tastes like stuffing, but like... Not in a good, bad way. In a bad way. Not even good stuffing. Okay. That's... Um, yeah. It is. It's effectively just stuffing, isn't it? Yeah. It you is can stuffing. see that like a harvester. Mm-hmm. I actually quite like stuffing, but I'm not sure I'd buy that. Mm, it doesn't take... It, if it was more loose... Let's have a look. That is Richmond. They've got so many ingredients. And this is the question, isn't it? Because when you start to think about this, the amount of ingredients, the amount of manufacturing, from an environmental point of view, you might as well just eat a pig. Yeah, completely. And it's also not even just the um, ingredients. It's like the salt and the sugars in them as well. Yeah. You know, I think we forget how, because of how yeah. much processing, how much salt and sugars no, probably it's, pro- it's highly processed. Mm-hmm. Okay, shall I bring right. down the... Uh, Let's try the meatballs. These are the vegetarian butchers' unbelievables. Oh, my God. Who does I mean, that's what we call you, Heath. Mm-hmm. Unbelievables. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. You're welcome. Right, let's give it a go. It's a Unilever product. <laughs> Okay. I think I'd rather have grasshoppers. Right. <laughs> it's definitely not the worst. It's not the worst. That's probably for me. That's the best we've had so far. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I could use those, and I may use those when my son decides he wants meatballs. Okay. Good okay. consistency. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Burgers. 
last but not least. Oh, this is like some sort of like sick bush being held trial. hostage. I feel like I feel like Matt Hancock is going to feel like in a couple of weeks. Look, you can see the blood. He's, I know you can't. You wish Matt, Han- Matt Hancock was feeling like this in a couple of weeks. Oh man. Right. I mean, look, it looks meaty, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely looks like a burger when it arrives on your table. I mean, bearing in mind, it's not in a bun and it's not got a slice of tomato with mm. it, but... It's, it's all right, eh? Mm. It's not, like, it's not offensive. But, but I did, think you could have that, did, did like chef, you say. Did Chef cook it on the griddle with all the <laughs> other... <yeah. laughs> well, it tastes a bit meaty. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I'm only getting it. What do we think? It's not bad. I, I think you would you would eat that. You would, in a yeah. Bun and potentially it would be fine. Yeah, and definitely. James, what do you think? Oh, he's 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 gone to his mic on. No, he's, he looks like oh there we go. Oh, he's having what's a drink. The, what's the base of it? What's it made out of? Wheat. Oh no, water, pea protein, uh, coconut oil. Rice protein, flavouring stabiliser, potato starch, apple extract, beetroot red, mm-hmm. and then loads of like um, chemicals and shit. Amazing. So, yeah. as as a as a food marketing manager, mm-hmm. Ella, how would you market these? Or would you? Would you market these? Would you? Put yeah, what would you on put on your menu? What would you put on your menu? Uh, um, um, well, we kind of tend to stick at fullers without any meat substitute, like meat substitutes that have been processed like this. Um, we kind of do tend to stick more to the vegetarian um, and utilising sort of vegetable side. We have actually just put on, um, we've done like a partnership with Made in Hackney, which is um, like a charity in East London um, that like specialises in vegan food. And we've done a Made in Hackney burger with them. And okay. that's like quinoa and beetroot. And it's, you know, sort of non-processed and very delicious, I'd say. But it doesn't look anything like that. So um, no. I guess it depends on what you're looking for. Yeah, that's heavily. All these are heavily processed, yeah. aren't they? Out of these, would you would you stock any? Um, I wouldn't say no to the meatballs. Yeah. They were all right, actually, weren't they? Ikea and I guess specials. if you're doing, yeah, like football or, um, you know, some sort of yeah. sports-led event, you know, the hot dogs probably wouldn't. So I reckon if we went and got an Iceland hot dog or some really shit supermarket hot dog and put it up against that, if you went to the IKEA superstore and got their hot dogs, I know they're actually all right. <laughs> but you put it up against one of the really cheap ones, they'd be like, they'd actually be all right. Possibly if it tasted of anything. That's my my slight hesitation. Why don't you put some sh- um, dried though, shallots? Hey, I mean, your wife's Swedish. We can we can recommend them to her. Uh, she can put them in her taco pie for you. Fucking but, uh, dear. <laughs> Seriously, man, I'm still traumatized by the food over there. <laughs> the chicken and the bacon were a definite no, though, weren't they? They yeah, were not, not, not great. That's weird, no. man. No. Well, on that note, I think we shall uh, park that one there. You're listening to the Lock In Podcast, and we are at the end of this episode. Uh, we've talked a lot about the challenges uh, that we're, we're facing out there. Um, I mean, I, I'm going to regret asking this because I know what's going to happen, but uh, any positives to be had, chaps? James? <laughs> hey! <laughs> I did tell you, Heath, before we recorded this podcast, last night I said I want you to think really, really, really hard and come up with a positive. Okay. 
There's going to be less pubs left in the sector. There's going to be that means there's going to be more staff out there who want to work in the sector. There we go. Solve the recruitment crisis. Yeah, that's it. We'll I think the it. government's let's help the government's doing it. They're solving the recruitment crisis by giving us less venues. Um, positives. I mean, what we talked about um, with, 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 you know, uh, alcohol change, we talked about uh, dry January with Laura. There is an opportunity to to showcase what we can do outside of just alcohol, isn't there? I mean, that's that's a good thing to, to, to be able to kind of... I mean, we talk about pubs being inclusive, we talk about them being hubs, social hubs, community hubs, all this kind of thing. We talk about it a lot. Are we doing it? Because I think we, I think, but I think we've got we, to I do th- those things. But I think to pubs me. have. I think people, you know, the, the good operators out there want to survive, so they want to do as much as they can. Everybody you sort of see on socials hustling. Do you know what I mean? Especially after the pandemic, everyone's hustling. They want to. They want to. They want to be busy. They don't care if they're having a soft drink. They want to be busy. They mm. just. They, you've got to be. You know, like Laura said, you've got to have the range and you've got to do stuff. And you know, what I mean, like I suppose if you can't, you, you know, ideally we'd love the pub full of people smashing back bottles of champagne in January but it's not going to happen so you've got to cater to that you've got to give people the option to spend money and that's we're business people we're not publicans we're business people as well so we need to give them means to drop the cash well what about Richard's point of of saying uh, we were saying you know why do in January when it's a miserable month and it's hard work and it's challenging for operators and his point was would you rather do it in December when we're really busy what's your thoughts no but I suppose sorry because this is this is back to my point. It's the virtue signaling people that jump on this in January when they've just signed up to their gym and that's what they're going to do. And by mid, I want to know the burn rate on this. That's what I really want to know. Mm. By their first or second week, you know, it's those people. Again, I'm not having to go at the what he's saying and the sentiment is absolutely bang on. But you know, pubs are much better at doing this than they ever have been. The products weren't there before. The products are getting better. Yeah. You know, you start talking to publishers having, having two lagers and two bitters and, you know, hold on a minute. It's like the vegans walk in and think the menu should be entirely vegan. And this is the same. You get these people come that have got, you know, his, his, you know, his mission is to reduce harm. And that's, you can't take that away. But he comes as a one agenda guy. Mm. And that's my issue mm. is that mm. if everyone comes as one agenda, you can't inform your business. Well, I mean, he, 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 he did sort of, he, he was talking about that. I get the feeling with these kind of guys that, that, that there is no shades of grey. Alcohol causes harm at whatever, yeah. whatever level. So there's a very much, I know he said we're not anti alcohol you kind of are because you're, the, the tone of that conversation is very much, there is no I've safe before, consumption. I've given, I've given this statistic before, the French government 1960s got, wanted alcohol consumption to drop because it was harming the community in France, they, they taxed it to hell, and now last year it was something like 100 million antidepressants were taken. Mm. People will move a vices, they'll move the vice. We need people to be adults, and I know it's really hard, but we need them to control their vices, and that's through communication, being sensitive. But if you're just trying to block it out, they're just going to move to something else. Like we're going mood, to have a massive mood enhancing drinks. Yeah, mood enhancing <laughs> drinks. You know, edibles. We're going to start seeing that come. But like you see all the American packaging coming through. People eating gummies and stuff. People are just moving their vices, and they're just doing that. When they say young people don't drink like they used to, young people, when you interview them, will never say they drink because they don't want to be judged. Like no one wants to know what this shit's going on. I think. Yeah. I just, I just think that we're, we're fucking like. Let's just be adults and moderate our drinking and moderating what we eat and how we do it and just be more controlled they need to teach you shit in school you not know? drinking 
Well, yeah, but like, but this is probably here's, we hide here's away the from drinking the lesson. No, but here's the, we hide it away from them. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like the conversation well, you make it. They don't teach well, it was forbidden, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. I, I remember as a kid, you know, you were, you were, it was kind of seen as a bad. So, you were, so of course, what do you want to do? The moment your parents turn their back, you teach them about a mortgage, teach them how to rate, do their finances, teach them shit. Fuck algebra. When was the last time you used algebra? No one teach them yes, stuff, they. life lessons, and we're not teaching them life lessons. Mm. Teach them about alcohol. Tell them what's going on. You know, explain. Mm. Like, face, stop hiding it away till you're an adult. Kids today are fucking adults really quick, a lot quicker than we were. Indeed. I mean, this has taken a very serious turn here. James, can you pull it back with a shit joke? Um, yeah, I think I probably can. <laughs> uh, but I won't. I mean, do you think do you get the government take that responsibly or not? I mean, do you think they they're going to be doing things to help? Uh... Oh no, no, no! Because they're too busy doing reality TV fucking shows. <laughs> Brilliant, thanks, James. Everyone, thanks a lot. Your heart does Matt Hancock think this is fucking acceptable? But what what part of Matt Hancock thinks this is acceptable to go on TV? Little fucking prick. It's, it's disgusting what he's done. I mean, James just sat back now laughing. Obviously. Yeah, they, they need to investigate these people. They need to investigate the government. They need to be held accountable for the shit they do. Cartang and fucking Liz Trust need to be fucking... If I was in charge, I'd be drawing them out to the town square and I'd be hanging them. It's disgusting what James, they've done. Pro, have you got that Prozac? I think I might need it. Right. I think, I think. I mean. I think I'm going to leave that one there. Um, just on a on a on a safety point of view, because I think his head is about to explode. Um, that is all from us today. We will be back in a couple of weeks with more pub-related fun and games. I hope. Uh, in the meantime, please subscribe, share, force your relatives to listen, and feel free to tweet Heath abuse. We'll ah. See you soon.